everybody how you doing Corey here in the middle of the day you know i've had people that i interview they always say you know what when you start these interviews i noticed you always mention in the middle of the day the reason why is because if you keep up with us you know we do our shows mainly at night when we stream them live but if i'm doing this in the middle of the day that means that i'm talking to someone who again is very special and as always and i say this and i mean it every time it's an honor to talk to this person but seriously this is someone that I have been following for a while, and I this is one of the people where I, I tell you, man, I I will go out and I'll ask anybody to talk to me if they can. But for some reason, I was intimidated by this guy. I didn't want to ask him. My assistant went and asked him, and I'm so happy that he said yes. And I am talking about Mr. Chris Stuckman. How you doing, man? Oh man, the fact that you were even remotely intimidated by me is just that's a comedy. Like that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I feel very honored to be here. I told you before we started the call, um, but for everyone else, like I, you were a major, major inspiration when I was starting in two, like 2009, you had Spill and on the Double Toasted, I've looked up to you for that entire period. So please don't even remotely <laughs> feel intimidated by me, man. You, uh, that, that's, that's just crazy. <laughs> well, I just really, really, I know people, this, this seems like a big ass kissing session right now but i just really respect what you <laughs> i really respect what you do and i've seen what you've done and how you've grown throughout the years and i have just uh been amazed at the you know the the, the level that you've come to man i mean and when i say amazed it's not like i don't think you were ever capable of it it's just that i'm just i'm really just proud to see when somebody is out there doing something even similar to a uh, remotely similar to what i do and have the amount of success that you've had with it man so thank you again for being here uh and I really appreciate it. And, I, and really, I have a lot of things that I want to ask you that I think a lot of people will benefit from hearing, too. Uh, sure. People, if you don't know who Chris Stuckman is, he is one of the biggest, not only just critics on YouTube out there, but one of the biggest YouTubers out there. Very popular, especially within the movie critic circle. Uh Coming up with a lot of other things that I can't wait to uh, see him do, which we'll talk about and we'll see how much we can talk about with him at the moment. Um, but so feel free to tell me and shut the hell up at any time. But uh, I'm going to geek out and start asking you some things, man, right from the heart. And one is, you know, I this is why this is so amazing, because I do remember when you all fresh faced and new on YouTube, man, <laughs> you know, I. Yes, I look like an, an infant, a small boy. <laughs> well, definitely a boy. And I don't know just because I'm used to the beard now or whatever, but I do, re you know, I was I, I, I was there to, uh, and I can honestly say this, I I've saw you before, you know, well, actually, when you were becoming the Chris Stuckman that, that you are right now, I don't think that I had seen uh, what you were before. Because I know before right. you had done... Uh, you had done something called, uh, what was it, One Minute Reviews? Yeah, it was Quick Movie Reviews. Quick, <laughs> quick Movie Reviews. Quick, yeah. It and, was just uh, like the whole idea was basically I had an extremely busy um, uh, life outside of anything professional. Like it, my, my job, I had a lot of jobs at the time, basically. And mm -hmm. there was, but I always loved film and I knew that there was some future for me talking about movies or being involved in making them or, or writing or whatever. I knew that that was the only way I was, I was going to find any joy in life. And so I thought I don't have time to do 
long reviews. Yeah. So it became, uh, let's just do these really short ones. And that's what I had time to do. You know, what I want to get to with that question is, because this is something that a lot of people who are starting to stream now, a lot of people are doing stuff online. You know, they they want to be they want to be you. They want to be the big influencer out there. So knowing that, you know, where you started with this and especially starting in a different area, uh, at what point was the turnaround to what you have right now? What was the what was, like what was the first big thing that you had? Was it one of your uh was it one of your video essays that did it for you? I think a big thing was the um first off, I'll take that in, in segments. If you want to be like me, don't. Um, <laughs> find find something, and, and this is cliche, but like no one's ever going to – I've seen people who have um, from time to time emulated the videos that I make. And there's nothing special about my videos. You know, I, I'm just a guy who sits in his room in Ohio and talks about movies. I don't have any trademark. You know, I'm not a character. I'm just me. And so – I think just be yourself, you know, people just need to, to find something about them that they like to share and just share it. And if they, if they, if they can, um, dedicate the time, I think it's really the hard, the hard thing. It's just knowing that it's not as easy as it looks, you know, last year was different. There wasn't three movies every week, but, um, uh, when that's normal, it really is a lot of time and effort that you're dedicating to it. And I think if you, if you can, truly put that effort into it, then you will be successful. Um, but uh, when it comes to like, uh, sorry, what was the, first, the second question? <laughs> no, well, what, what was the big turnaround for you? Like, what yeah. was the thing that like, you know, hit for you to like, get you to the, the road to success that you have right now? It was two things. It was um, the Dragon Ball Evolution review that I did. Um, I really did not like that film at all. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big Dragon Ball fan. And the film was, um, I mean, this is a movie where the writer has written a public apology. Okay. Yeah. How often does that happen? Uh, <laughs> I didn't even see it in theaters. I, I rented the, or I, I ordered the Netflix DVD. I got it in the mail and I, uh, I watched that thing and it was just, it was devastating. It was, um, it was a complete desecration of the, the story, the characters, the casting choices. It was just all bad and it and it was even more sad because i respected the director quite a bit james wong he wrote some of my favorite x-files episodes uh directed final destination he's really talented and so it just felt like a giant studio hack job mm -hmm. and i was really reserved at the time i was very very much so in a shell i didn't have um too many friends that I could talk to about movies. That's one of the reasons I even started the channel in the first place, because I would go to a movie with a friend and we'd get out and I'd be like, what did you think of that? And they'd be like, yeah, it was cool. And I'd be like, hey, <laughs> what the fuck did you think about it though? Like, what did it make you feel? You know, and, <laughs> I didn't have like an outlet. I didn't have anybody to, to reach out to and, and talk about film in any type of way that was, beyond the norm and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to make videos and that dragon ball evolution review for whatever reason was one of the first videos that i came out of my shell a little bit and i just was very passionate about <laughs> about why it, uh, it didn't work out and i have to also credit another 
uh, website. I can't remember. I think it might have been a YouTube channel called Dragon Ball Protest uh, that was collecting <laughs> uh, a playlist of uh, videos about Dragon Ball Evolution. And the entire the entire goal of the playlist was to spread uh, the the word of why this film was a bad idea. And they put mine on their home their homepage for a while. And at the time that when that video finally got a thousand hits, I was just blown away by that. It just it blew my mind that 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 many people would want to hear my thoughts on something. So I would say that was when I realized that I could potentially do something with the channel. But even when I start, and I've said this before, but even when I started on the channel, on, on the platform, I had no idea that you could monetize videos. I didn't know what that meant. Um, that was when you had to apply for partnership. You had to like send an application to YouTube and hope that they, the gods smiled upon you. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and, and so I didn't really know how any of it worked. I was just doing it for fun. Yeah. And you know, it's just, uh, you know, I've read about you over and over again. And for people who don't know, you know, uh, you probably, and if you do follow Chris, then you've heard the stories about how when he started, everybody's like, oh, that's cute. You're doing videos about movies and whatnot, you know, which is something that everybody's going to get that response when they're doing YouTube. I know my mother today still doesn't, under, she doesn't have a computer, so she doesn't understand any of this at all. And she, and she still tells me, do you still do that, do that little cute video thing that you do? So, yes. you know, I get it, man. Um, What's that? My parents are the exact same way. Yeah, yeah, they can't. My mother can't even tell people what I do. But you know, that's why <laughs> I'm I'm looking at uh, what you have here, man. And I should have had your page up because it truly is impressive what you've managed to grow to right now. So people, when I say you know one of the biggest ones out there right now, Chris is at 1.86 million subscribers. Uh, Several of his views, almost any review that goes up, any video that goes up is not going to be less than uh, at least 100,000 views. So, you know, I, I, when you look at that, because the other thing that people are going to want to know is they're going to say, all right, so what is, uh, you put your videos up and you do what you do, of course, and you know, be yourself. We've all heard that. But what's the strategy for YouTube? Have you had to change your strategy over time? to maintain yeah. it and grow it that way or is it Definitely. just you sticking with, to what you do? No, there's been a lot of behind the scenes. Um, I don't want to use the word struggle. I think that's a little dramatic, but um, a lot of uh, attempts at getting uh, agencies that handle screenings, studios to take video film criticism seriously. Um, obviously, Siskel and Ebert made humongous leaps and bounds towards towards that and they're still the most respected video film critics of all time but they were also writing for outlets at the time newspapers and so um when i first started there i, I became aware of the fact that there were screenings in cleveland i, I had mm. no idea that advanced screenings even existed i just i never really thought again i was very naive and oblivious i didn't really know how any of this worked and I remember a, a buddy of mine was like, hey, uh, there's a chance to see Shutter Island or maybe it was Inception uh, early. And I, uh, I was just like, how does that even happen? How is that a thing? <laughs> and so uh, I learned that there were these advanced screenings in Cleveland and um, the public and the press are combined in Cleveland usually. I'm not sure if it's like that 
everywhere. I know in LA they tend to have like press only and in New York they tend to have press only, but they mm -hmm. sometimes will do the public and press combined. Um, and so the way to get in as a member of the public was you could win like a radio contest or you could enter a online contest and hope that you get in, but then you had to, you got to go to the screening. And if it's at 7:30, you should probably arrive by like 4:30 and wait in line outside the theater, mm -hmm. which is what I did for, I don't know, two, three years. And I mean, this is not just for like man of steel. This is for like <laughs> something borrowed. <laughs> It's complicated with Meryl Streep. Like I did it. I did it. I did that. I waited in line with with everyone else, and but I would always talk to the reps. I would be like, "Is there a way that I could get a press seat? Is there? How does this happen?" And they would say, "What do you? What outlet do you write for?" And I'd be like, uh, "I don't. I I just have a website." And they'd be like, "Well, what's your website? Uh, YouTube." Oh, well, we don't take that seriously. And it was like that for a couple of years. So mm. eventually, I started to make some headway though because like you said the numbers they were they were good and, and that's really the best way to reach some of those folks is just math they did they just want to see numbers algorithms and they want you to prove your your worth through numbers basically and um before long i was able to get finally um not even a press seat but the the cleveland uh agency i believe it's called allied they said, we will let you in, but you have to arrive early. In other words, you can't have a press seat, but you can come to every screening. But if the seats are full, sorry. So basically, I still had to yeah. wait in line. Yeah. But I didn't, have to, I didn't have to like sign up for a radio ticket. You know? like yeah, I, yeah. I didn't win a contest. Finally, about a year after that, um, I can't remember if it was 2014 or 2015, um, I officially got press accreditation. And then even a couple years after that, after emailing the Broadcast Film Critics Association for two years, I would say, off and on, trying to get involved with them, they finally, finally said yes. And I mean, this is after like five or six rejections. Um, and it was always very polite, you know, professional. There was never any uh, issues. It was always very like, well, thank you for your time. Okay. And then I figured I'll email them in six months. Um, cause in Ohio, it means a lot to get those Academy screeners at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, cause in New York and LA, you get all those movies like in November and December in Ohio, they, they show up in February or something. So uh. it's really helpful to get those, those DVD screeners they send out, which is that, that to me was like, okay, I finally did it. <laughs> so, it, 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 yeah you know man you're taking me back uh it's funny because i had you know uh, i we have the same sort of process here man you know you're trying to get into a screening and so people if you don't know how these uh these critic screenings work uh a lot of times the, the critics who are writing reviews who are doing what we do you know whether it's on a news channel or the internet uh they have to go into uh, they sign up for the press and then they have a press section that they go to and a lot of times you're right you're seeing it with the public i when i when i started this man this is before the internet was even a thing you know i started with access television and to you know was so involved it was more than trying to get a press seat uh it was also trying to get these huge beta tapes 
so that you could get the clips on there and edit your shows with that. I have I used to have a wall full of tapes, man. And so, you know, it's just it's just funny hearing what you had to go through to get just even a screening, you know, because back then it was uh, it was so different. They just wanted they just wanted word of mouth. It wasn't like today where it was numbers. They just said, hey, if you can prove to us that you actually have a show, show us one show, send us a tape. And if you're able to do that, then you can come in and, and, and do this and just make sure you just put the word out there. So, yeah, I guess since the Internet came up, man, it became more of a numbers thing. Yeah, it was definitely it was um, every time I would go to the the page to to try to apply for press uh, for press tickets, it would be what is your um, monthly view retention or something like that. And and I honestly, it was kind of hard to calculate that because um, it's not like a page view when you have multiple video views. It's slightly different. And yeah. and so I had to try to figure out how do I even tabulate this getting getting into to film festivals was also a nightmare at first as well. Um, and it's mostly just because of changing times. Um, and this is not meant to sound as if I'm um, talking against written journalists. In fact, I strongly support them. I just, um, I just know that like there was a period where someone developing their own voice or their own uh, outlet, mm -hmm. their own business basically, was considered uh, lesser than. Yeah. Where, yeah. where it's actually considerably more difficult yeah and you know you you talk about how this is a business for you so i'm sure by what you just said people can see how extremely t time consuming it is just to see the movies just to be able to set up to critique the movies but now with the numbers that you have and this being your livelihood you have a business to support so how do you divide the time between the creative side and the movie watching side. And then you have to actually do this administrative business side. You know, how do you handle that? Yeah, that's um, honestly been one of the most uh, time consuming things is just scheduling everything out because, you know, um, I'm married. Um, I want to be a good husband. I want to make sure that my, my wife is happy and that she doesn't feel neglected in any way. And I want to, um, also make videos and pay the bills and, you know, whatever that might entail sponsorships or whatever. And I also, but you know, the ultimate goal is to make movies professionally, but the ultimate goal is just to write and direct. And it's been that way since I was a kid. Um, and so I find that, uh, my secret is actually staying up all night. Uh, <laughs> It's 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 actually true. Like I went to bed last night at about six thirty in the morning. Wow. Um, I there's another writer that uh, I follow and respect a lot on Twitter is uh, C. Robert Cargo. I know you know him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he has said similar things about how he just works better at night. The, the more people are asleep, it's peaceful. It's kind of quiet. There's less on your mind. You're not as consumed with the news or whatever else is going on in the world. You're just sort of in your own little space. And that's ten that tends to be when I write or when I edit or when I shoot videos is, you know, from the hours of like mm, 10 PM to even 3 AM sometimes. And then I'm sort of winding down to, to finish the day. And 
that's when I tend to find the most time to do those things. And then in the middle of the day, I, I usually have to, it's, it's basically just rigid scheduling, which is the same for anybody. You know, I mean, if I, if I was a, a single parent and I had a full-time job, I'd be saying the same thing. It's just finding the time to schedule your life. It's, it's impossibly difficult in today's day and age, but you can do it. There's ways to get around it. Yeah, no, I, I and again, I can relate, man. It's almost like we have a lot of parallels going on. I'm, I'm trying my best because, like you, I'm married and I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to go to bed with my wife when she uh, is going to bed, but then it, I feel like I'm cheating on her sometimes because I just can't go to bed at the same time she is. So I wait for her to fall asleep, and then I sneak my ass out of bed, and I, you know, <laughs> my side chick is my work, man. You know, so uh, yeah, I, 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 I keep those same hours. I said the exact same thing to my friend yesterday. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's uh, it's a juggling act, man. And sometimes you just have to sneak away when everybody else is asleep. But, you know, that's that's interesting, man, that you say that uh, the goal is to is to uh, write and direct. You know, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen, again, the videos you've you've put up and followed your progress and have definitely seen, you know, where you've directed things a bit out there. Uh, Auditorium 6 is a short, I believe, that you did. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You know, you did a whole video giving people kind of look uh, behind the scenes of that and also talking about your ambitions that you want from this, you know, uh, yeah. and, and, I, and I get it, man. It's, uh, I would dare say, and even if most critics don't want to admit it because maybe a lot of them haven't been able to achieve it, but I think a lot of them got into what they're doing because they do want to at some point, or they did want to write or direct or both. I mean, I'm looking at you, and I always thought, like, yeah, of course this guy wants to write and direct one day. It's been in his blood ever since he was a kid. Thank so you. as most of um, you know, I got yeah, really interested in oh, film when I was 14. <laughs> Movies like Spider-Man, Minority Report, Signs. These films really inspired me to look at filmmaking differently, and I begged my mom for a camcorder. I was like, can you please, can I please, please, please have a camcorder? Oh man, you know we didn't get to see you from the front, but we could see the, the, the how fresh you are from behind, man. Even the back of your head was young. Uh, you yeah, know that was some, some Ant Man de aging right there. <laughs> no man, you know it's uh, it's really cool to hear that and see you follow through with that. I, you know, a couple of things that have, that really stand out to me on that is, well, with you following this ambition, you know, you're starting now to uh, you're starting to mingle with some mm -hmm. of the professionals out there. You know, you've put it out there where, you know, you, you're part of the uh, Critics' Choice Association and you've gone and mingled with people like Ewan McGregor right there. You put out there how Jordan Peele said, you know what, you call me anytime you need something. I, so. so seriously, I went to the Critics' Choice Awards and I was terrified because I'm looking around at all of these people that are part of this, you know, like there's all these other fellow critics there. It was cool to talk to them. And mm -hmm. like Scott Mance is a great guy, you know, and, and just chat with him and, and, and meet some of these folks. But like I see Angelina Jolie across the room. There's Jordan Peele. There's um, Ewan McGregor. You know, I, I watched Jordan Peele win his uh, the writing award for Get Out. And I'm, I'm just sitting there like, why am I even here? This is fucking crazy. So <laughs> uh, during the break, I said, fuck it. And I walked up to Jordan Peele and I said, I just wanted to let you know, man, that from Key and Peele to to get out, I'm so just inspired by what you've created. And because I'm I, like side point, I'm really, really inspired by anybody who makes like a really obvious transition of some kind. 
from mm. one thing that they're sort of known for, and, and that's like their thing. And they're like, no, but I can do other stuff too. And then they just succeed, like, you know, with flying colors. And so he said, and at the time he was attached to Akira, I think. Um, it was either him or Taika Waititi was attached to Akira, because I talked to Taika Waititi that night too, which was fucking crazy <laughs> also. And I think he was a little smashed, but it was, it was, it was of course cool. he was, <laughs> <laughs> he was smashed at fantastic fest also in 2019, uh, when he introduced uh, Jojo rabbit. But anyway, um, uh, and, and Jordan Peele, uh, was like, look, I, I, I just follow your, your Twitter. And, um, if you ever need screenwriting advice, uh, just uh, message me and, I'll tell you what, I've never taken him up on that offer because I'm terrified of him just not replying. <laughs> like, I'm just going to let that little two-second moment where he looked at me and 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 the, and the angel touched, touched me, and I was like, <gasps> and then I'll, that's my life now. That that exists as a moment, and I don't want to ruin it. Well, you know, that's the, and I understand that. You talk about how you had this fear of not being responded to, and you're looking around the room, you're like, why the fuck am I here? And so... You know, again, a couple of interesting things with this wanting to cross over into full-fledged filmmaking. Um, well, have you ever run across anybody that and had an awkward exchange or a glance or anything of, you know, since you're a critic, has there yeah. ever been any kind of awkward experience with anybody that you've criticized before? That's been one of my biggest um, goals is to do my best to be respectful of filmmakers in that in 11 years that I've been doing this, I have never once tagged a filmmaker in a negative review. I've never sent a filmmaker a negative review. Mm -hmm. I've never gone out of my way to criticize a person. Um, I would say, honestly, even in the past few years I have made, and, and people have noticed this and people have asked me like, why don't you do, you know, as many rants and stuff because I just don't like it. You know, I stopped doing my worst of video as well. I used to do a worst of the year video. Um, and I just started to not enjoy that. And it's nothing against anyone who does. I just, I think it was like 2018. I said, eh, I don't really want to do this anymore. Um, because I, I just don't like the idea of if I reviewed a movie negatively at some point throughout the year, I don't need to <laughs> at the end of the year be like, and I'm going to, drive that nail in deeper again, even though I already said your movie wasn't good, I'm going to say it again. So I've tried to be respectful of filmmakers. So gratefully, actually, no, that has not yet happened. I'm sure it will at some point. Most of the filmmakers I meet at festivals or through Twitter or whatever actually like my channel. Um, and they've told me in private that it's because I review films from the perspective of the filmmaker. I'm not and, and this has been a struggle for me because, again, not really a struggle. It's an overdramatic mm -hmm. word, but it's I read other reviews sometimes or I watch other reviews and I think you're not really saying anything about the movie, man. You're just kind of you're just kind of saying it sucks and you're not really offering a note or a suggestion or, you know, what, what you might have done differently or, or how they could have perhaps improved it. And it doesn't come off as constructive criticism. It just comes off as uh, sort of like mocking or, or like extreme yeah. sin. Yeah. And that's cool, whatever. You know, people have their ways of, of expressing themselves. But gratefully, no, I have not yet experienced that. Most of the filmmakers I meet 
um, are very supportive. In fact, honestly, uh, and this is probably not going to come as a surprise to you, uh, the filmmakers I've talked to have been way more supportive of my goals than the film critics I've talked to. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because filmmakers are artists, man. They, they know, they know that everybody wants to express themselves in some way and not that film critics don't write or that they're, again, I don't want to come off like I'm talking down to any group because that's not how I feel, but it's just in my experience when I, when I discussed the, 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 with film critics, like I'd like to make films or can you maybe look at something I've written? They're usually like, ah, I'm kind of busy or whatever. It, it, it just kind of, but with filmmakers, they're actually excited. They're like, wait a second, you want to make movies? That's crazy. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. And yeah. they're just more supportive. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've actually been more conscious of that myself. Cause I've even said, I'd really, that's why I treat this like entertainment. Cause if I ever cross anybody, I want to be like, look, I treat this more like comedy. I, I, I think, I think I think critics are, you know, people who they don't have the experience of being able to create. So either they are envious or they just don't know the work that goes into it, because, you know, filmmaking is such a huge process. It's a time consuming process that takes years sometimes. And, you know, I, I just and I just feel like, you know, to come in and have just, a, you know, something that something that took a collaborative effort for so long to try to take minutes to tear it down. It just doesn't feel it doesn't feel good, man. You know, a lot of times. I'm not going to lie. I feel terrible sometimes after I've said something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cuz I respect I, I'm like you. I respect the uh, I respect filmmakers as artists. That that's the thing. While somebody is a group over here that is just talking and talking means sometimes you have people who are actually doing. Yeah. And I'm starting to put that in there I, at least let people know that's where I in my heart that's where I'm trying to come from most of the time. So it's interesting you should say that. Completely agree. Um, because, like, from my perspective, um, th- there wouldn't be a film critic without the filmmaker. The filmmaker has to create something for the film critic to critique. Um, and it is strange to me when I see some film critics. And again, I'm not naming anybody. That's not my my thing. I don't do that. Um, just as a whole, sometimes like a movie will be plucked, and like this is the one. This is the one that we will all mock or hate for the next year yeah sometimes it's absolutely deserved and other times it's like well actually that just didn't really work out that that was just kind of a mediocre movie that was kind of bad but because like there's an a-lister attached to it or somebody insanely rich suddenly it becomes very okay to to systematically target a film or a filmmaker for for forever um and i find that a little strange to me because I just don't always know. I think we can easily get lost in our own hearing ourselves talk a lot and sort of getting a lot of pats on the backs, whether that be a retweet or a whatever. You're rewarded for being shocking nowadays. You're rewarded for being as edgy or extreme as possible. And so I just uh, I don't like falling in with that crowd. I don't like. Yeah, I like to be a film like, yes, on paper, what I do is film criticism, but I I actually have a rule and I've, I didn't used to have this rule, but I started about three or four years ago. Once I realized that the channel was, was going in a place where I actually could deter a large amount of people from seeing a movie if I didn't like it, I do not negatively review, um, extreme indies. 
So when I say like extreme indies, I mean like under a million dollar budget. Yeah. If I, a lot of people send me their indie films and they want me to, to potentially review them and I'll watch them. And if I love uh, a super low budget movie like that, I'll die in the streets for it. But if, if somebody sends me their indie film that they made for 750 grand and, and they, they just, they borrowed that money from their friends and family and I come out there and say, this, this is bad. This isn't good. I have actual pull to get people to not watch that. And so I don't do that. I, and I tell, I tell filmmakers that, that send me their movies. If, if it's like a, an Indian of that fashion, I'm, I'm not going to review your movie if I don't like it. But if yeah. I do, Man, I will support you so hard because that's what I want. I want to support people who are like me who are trying to make low-budget productions. That's kind of like my thing now, I, I feel. And at least in the back of my head, that's how I want to proceed is just to support filmmakers. And obviously, you're going to get your Monster Hunters, um, <laughs> you know, all W.S. Anderson films. You're going to get your disappointing movies. It's going to happen. Of course, it will happen. And, I'm, and I'll be honest about that. I just want to support film, you know. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's the, the, the so. At what point did you start to feel this way? I mean, it sounds like you might have felt that way all the time, but as you said, yeah. there were times when you were harsher about films, mm -hmm. and now you've kind of come around on that. What was the point that you start to feel that way? I'll be completely honest with you. There was a period when I first started that I thought I had to act like that to get views. There was this sort of uh, movement towards cynicism that I've seen mm. in uh, in YouTube film criticism, specifically YouTube, but it's also bled into uh, uh, journalists and written film critics as well. This sort of, and I think again, I must say, a lot of it is because you're rewarded for being edgy or for being slightly offensive nowadays. You you get attention for it um, if you can come up with a 200 character or whatever it is tweet that just encapsul encapsulates a funny joke about a movie you thought was bad you, you might get more attention than the whole fucking movie yeah <laughs> so a lot of people have noticed that um but when i first started i i kind of thought that i because again you know like that success sprouting from a rant video of dragon ball evolution i kind of took that with me like well people like the rants they want to see me rage out they want to see me do stuff and you know, obviously, if I loved a movie, I was going to, of course, just love the movie. But I remember, like, back from, like, 2011 to 2000, maybe even 2015, I thought, well, I just, I just have to be more big. And I realized that that's just not true. Mm. And I can just... I can just state things the way I feel and, and not have to worry about trying to uh, create something that could be very funny or, or, or whatever, you know, and, and, and it did also help to meet a lot of filmmakers in person. I think that was also a big thing, too, when I started going to festivals and actually talking to some of these folks and getting to know them a little bit and being on set. I went to a lot of film sets and just sort of shadowed people and um, watched how people work. And I realized that it's um, it's just not where my head is. It's just not where I want to be. I want to be in a place where I can support film. And, you know, for instance, like right now, 
I don't know when you're going to air this, but I'm always going to make, you know, unless I am able to pr professionally transition into film, I'll, I'll still make funny, like hilariosity style reviews of things that are just really stupid and dumb because it's fun. But I'm, I'm, I'm approaching it from more of a loving sense, I think, and at least I try to. Right now I'm doing uh, The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> uh, uh, if your viewers don't know, it's uh, a hilarious mockumentary that was uh, <laughs> promoted as a real expose about the filmmaker, who's one of my favorite filmmakers, but he kind of shouldn't have done this. And it's like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Uh, and so like, I'll always do shit like that too, but I just, I want to approach it from a more, um, real perspective and less for like, Hey, I'm just going to sound mad to get views. Yeah. Yeah. No. And if you don't know people, hilariosity, that's your series of guilty pleasure movies, which yeah. are just bad movies that you just kind of have fun talking about. Uh, yeah. I have seen that M. Night Shyamalan. And look, man, I know we want to be nice about it, but that was some straight-up bullshit, that M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> thing, man. That, was, that, that fool is trying to convince people that he's actually a supernatural being. I'm like, man, you come on, look. You know, I'm like you. I don't want to criticize, but you need to sit your ass down with that. You yeah, know? No. That, that did him no favors. That did him absolutely no favors. I um For the video I went, and I, I restricted a Google search to articles only from 2004 when it came out to just hear, <laughs> like, what was the initial reaction? Oh my God. Like that was some serious <laughs> evisceration. Like that was disembowelment. Like, it was just horrible. People hated it so much, but now taken out of historical context, I can kind of laugh at it and be like, cause there is actually like a genius idea in the concept of a documentarian mm -hmm. going to interview a filmmaker to make a puff piece who then later realizes over the course of it, that there is some horrific secret about this person that he's trying to, to uncover and like the idea of that as as an actual movie is kind of cool, but this two hour sci fi channel bloated village <laughs> uh, was a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, it's you know what? See, this is what I have to have to say. Like sometimes it's not so much being mean spirited because I understand what you're saying. There are people who just want to get on camera and they feel like the more cynical they are, the are the their character is angry is going to get them attention. I and I got that, but. Don't you feel like sometimes somebody needs to be told every now and then, like, you need to pull back, man. Now, you're yeah. getting a little ahead of yourself. You know, you, you, you got a little bit of an ego here, and yeah. you need to settle your ass down at this moment. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, I've certainly been told through constructive criticism about my videos over the years that have helped me make better videos. Uh, I remember uh, I, I have two people that I've become really good friends with because of constructive criticism uh, on what I was doing. For instance, um, uh, the composer that I now work with on all my shorts and what, who I would, would like to continue to work with in the future, uh, the first time he ever emailed me, he said, hey man, I love your videos. Your intro music sucks. Uh, <laughs> something better for you. And I was like, okay and we got on skype and he told me like look this sounds like a fucking garage band loop and i was like that's because it is a garage band. <laughs> <laughs> so he he composed this thing for me and i and it, he basically took the theme that i had been using but he did it with real instruments and you know I, it was great and now now we've done two shorts together i talk to him almost every day and like he's 
he's a musical genius as far as I'm concerned. He can play like every fucking instrument. It's crazy. The guy, like one time I was Skyping with him and we were talking about this, like this little melody we wanted in a scene. And he just, he fucking grabbed a banjo and was like, what about this? And it, it was just like, where'd that come from? You're crazy. So that guy's amazing. The other one is, is the exact same thing. Um, I know an amazing uh, color artist in LA who does color grading for Universal. He, um, he now has colored both my shorts and is working on something for me right now. And he similarly emailed me uh, back in the day and was like, hey man, love your videos, but uh, you need to fucking lock your ISO on your camera, you stupid idiot. And, <laughs> and you need to learn how to color correct your videos. And I went, you're right. So I got on camera with him and we, he gave me a three hour uh, crash course in color correction. And over the years, we've just, uh, again, similarly, we talk all the time. You know, he reads my scripts. He gives me advice because this is a guy who, who, you know, works for fucking Universal mm -hmm. and he watches everything. He sees everything. He's got ideas and concepts of, of his own. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. People, yeah. You, you know, you can make relate. You can make legitimate relationships with people who constructively offer suggestions, you know, not like, well, you just suck and, and that's it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's, you know, like I said, sometimes harsh words, they do the trick, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and as you can see, it's brought you closer to people. You know, um, you mentioned how, again, going back to before you were doing uh, criticism on, uh, and this is why you were on YouTube. You worked for, over in Ohio, was it uh, Akron? Um, yeah. Akron, uh, you worked for the school uh, yeah, district I there. Yeah, yeah, you worked with the uh, handicapped kids. You want to you want to tell people more about that background right there? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, when I was younger, uh, my parents were both bus drivers uh, for Akron Public Schools, and I had done all the normal teenager jobs. I worked at Taco Bell. I worked at McDonald's. Um, I worked for uh, Walmart. Uh, there's a supermarket out here uh, called Marks. Uh, I was a cashier, did stock, you know, and I was getting tired of making like five fifteen an hour, which was minimum wage <laughs> at the time. Um, so I asked my parents, I was like, do you think that um, is does your boss at the Akron Public need any educational assistance? That was the actual job title. Basically, uh, I would ride on the bus with the kids. They had a lift. Um, mm -hmm. kids would come on a wheelchair and the lift, you know, lifts them up. And then you got to make sure that the, the chair is strapped down during the course of the, of the trip. Um, and if there's any issues, uh, with anything that a child might need, you have to make sure they have it. Um, some, some kids were in, uh, worse place than others. Um, and some were, were, um, I was always kind of like, why are you on the orthopedic route? You know, like there were a few kids that I, they would have no problem having an, uh, a regular conversation. They were very just cool and, and open kids. And then maybe one day, uh, there was one, I remember there was one day where a child, uh, we had a substitute bus driver 
and they were a little unclear of the route. So I was sort of like giving this person advice, like here's the turn, here comes the turn. And we could not find this one child's house. And mm -hmm. it was the, the child that I mentioned. I was always sort of like, why are you on the orthopedic route? This doesn't seem like um, a place that uh, you need to be. And he, for the life, he could not remember where he lived. He couldn't remember his address. He couldn't say his address. He, when it came to numbers, basically, it was a complete blank. And so there were all different types of experiences. And honestly, it was really cool. Um, a lot of those kids were great. Yeah. They, there was one year that was a challenge because I got transferred to a van. Uh, you see like school transportation vans. And the school transportation vans were where the the children who got in a lot of trouble would be. So the only reason I got put on the van is because I'm 6'4", and because most of the other educational assistants were like older women, uh, like in their 50s or 60s even. And some of the kids on this van weighed over 300 pounds. <laughs> And so it was basically my job to make sure that no one died. First of all, holy shit, you're six four. I did. You're taller yeah. than me, man. I had no idea. I mean, you probably yeah. hear that like I do. People see me and then they like they say, "Wow, you're taller than I thought." You know, so I mean, you get the same thing. Oh, all the time. People see me and they're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> oh no, they're like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> Looking yeah. up at you, man. Like, Sorry, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, <laughs> um, I've always been tall though. So I got assigned those the, the van route, and we had a kid. His his name was Darius. He was a good he was a good kid, but he really really loved throwing his shoes. <laughs> so like there'd be days where we'd be in the in the van, you know, and and we'd just be driving, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and it's just a nice peaceful day, and then crack, like a. <laughs> A shoe will just like bang against the windshield. Oh my fucking god! And you know, and so it was just like making sure that everybody was safe. And you know, but honestly, they these these kids were great. I think most of them were just really happy to be there. Um, almost every single day was was a joy for them. They seemed so happy. They were just they loved going to school. There was a few days where you could tell they didn't want to leave home, but most yeah. of those kids were really really nice. You know, I ask you this because. Uh, because you uh, you have a few experiences that I kind of want to reference to. That is one, and we're going somewhere with this, but I want to reference another one. I, I have this video that I that I like to show, and let me see. And here's a video right here I'm going to show to the people. You probably already see what I'm bringing up, but I'm going to show the people out there this particular video right here. See, I grew up in a very mixed race environment. I had tons of friends of color, so I never really saw this myself personally. I grew <laughs> You say you grew up in, I, I don't know if in or around counts, maybe outside. <laughs> you know, it's, it's Chris with a group of black kids and he, and the, the, the thing that people say is that it looks like he just ran in and photobombed <laughs> the thing and it got out before they beat his ass. I mean, I'm looking at this, did they... Because some people would say, they would look at this and be like, damn, that's some reverse racism shit right there, man. You know, that just left you excluded. Did these kids even like you, man? Like, I look at this, and so did you, when I say explain this, I don't mean like, man, explain this image right here. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of questions people would have. So did you, did you grow up around a, a lot of black kids in a black neighborhood 
Uh, did you just used to just kind of just kind of you know go on tour and you know kind of be a tourist in the black neighborhoods? Uh, what so first, what was your connection there? First off, uh, I I will I will use this opportunity to say that I I find it stupid that I I said that in a video. I find it unnecessary, and I regret saying that. I think that it was I was very naive mm-hmm. um, and oblivious to how that could come off. And that is my life. Yes. Uh, all those people were my friends and a few of them still are. Um, but it was just, um, I think everybody has a point in their life where they, I think you might understand this a little bit when you start to get any kind of public, voice or recognition or any kind of fame, even remotely, you don't stop thinking of yourself as a regular person. Mm-hmm. Other people do though. And it's really easy to sort of naively just assume that the things you say will be taken the way you mean them. And sometimes they're not. And sometimes it's in the case of that, I should never have said that. Well, I can find- I just say, I didn't take it the wrong way. I didn't even mean to bring this up to say like, you know, uh, look at you, man, trying to, you know, be Mr. Diversity. If, you know, I, I wasn't saying that at all. I didn't take it any kind of wrong way. I just thought it was a funny picture. And uh, Well, I still, I appreciate that, but I I feel stupidly about it. I, I That's just how I feel, but I appreciate you saying that. But um. <laughs> No, those are my real friends. And, and if you honestly want the full truth, I'll give it to you, man. I will. Okay. I'll tell you. All right. And, and I'm going to tell you right now that the shit I'm about to say, I've never talked about. So uh, it might be weird, but here we go. <laughs> um, so I was raised in a very strict environment when it came to um religion mm. uh, my family had a lot of rules and a lot of uh regulations about everything and i went through quite a bit of difficulties relating to that and especially with wanting to be a filmmaker uh and i will probably talk more about this at some point in the future when it's more comfortable and I feel safer doing so. But all the folks in that photo were also part of that religion with me. Mm. And my family, we all had this sort of rule that like we would only hang out with people who were in that religion. Ah, uh, okay. All those folks were, were part of that religion too. Um, some of us have, have left that religion, including me. And I'm still friends with those folks, but the the people who who decided to stay, they have a very strict uh, rule for shunning uh, people who leave that organization. And I'll just say it, fuck it. Um, I was raised a Jehovah's Witness. Wow. So how many people actually know this? No one. So this is the first time you've openly kind of put that out there. Yeah. Uh, I've been terrified to talk about it actually for a long time because 
if you if you watch the Leah Ramini special she did on her Scientology show about Jehovah's Witnesses, you'll see how how painful and damaging it actually is. I, I have a document on my computer that I've been writing for the past like three or four years about this, uh, just like thoughts and stuff um, that I might publish one day. But no, for much, I was born a Jehovah's Witness. All the folks in that photo are also, at the time, Jehovah's Witnesses. Some of them, like me, were later ousted and shunned mm. um, for deciding uh, that they no longer wanted to be Jehovah's Witnesses. One of them uh, later came out as, uh, as gay, and his family uh, kicked them out of the house. And he, he's one of five siblings... And his parents now say they have four kids. They don't even, mm. they act like he doesn't even exist. Um, the Jehovah's Witness faith, and I, I mean, I don't mean to be like weird on your video all of a sudden, man, but like I told myself if anyone ever asked me, I would be honest about it. Um, that faith is a cult. It is absolutely damaging to the people who uh, were part of it. Uh, and very, very hard to to get over. Um, I've had a lot of problems. With that. And again, this is not meant to be like a woe is me, pity me experience. I'm really not trying to say that. Um, but when it comes to the folks in that photo, that's one of the reasons why we were so close, because everybody was part of the same faith. And there was no there was no issues of any kind that you might normally associate with um with a photo like that like you said people you just get his ass beat no it was like those were my legitimate like faith like jehovah's witnesses aren't allowed to hang out with people outside of their faith and i've talked to a lot of ex-jehovah's witnesses over the years there's channels i follow and for years i've talked about potentially discussing that but i left in my early 20s um mostly because of my desire to make movies. It was targeted and kind of pinpointed as something that was inappropriate for a Jehovah's Witness to do. Movies that I was reviewing online were also targeted as a, as a way that I was potentially, quote, stumbling others in the faith. It mm -hmm. was crazy, man. It's fucking crazy. And I could I could talk to you for 10 hours about it, but I know that's not why you asked me to be interviewed. So. No, man. No, look, I asked you to be interviewed because I just wanted to talk to you my whole thing is that I'll talk to people about the usual shit that, you know, that other people will, but I always like to kind of get a little more personal or bring up things that aren't always asked. And I feel very privileged that you even shared that with me. I, uh, you know, thank you for putting that out there. You know, because uh, uh, I, I mean, there's so many things to ask from there and I don't want to keep you all day, but, you know. Can, man, I don't have any time limits. Uh, well, you know, I... I that is so interesting because now is because listen. First of all, I think that's even more common than you think. Uh, yeah. Our YouTube partner, I was uh, the guy that we're friends. He doesn't work at that place anymore, but um, I went to see him in Canada. We be we became good friends even after he left, and he was telling me about how he just reconnected with a friend of his that shut him out because his parents said you can't be friends with that guy anymore because he's not Jehovah Witness. You know, so. Yeah. Are your parents still Jehovah Witness? Uh, are you shunned by your own family? Uh, in some ways. Um, 
I've mentioned this briefly to people who have asked me, like, how do your parents feel about what you do? And I have said, well, um, you know, they're disappointed. That's all I ever have ever said. And it's, um, I'll, I'll put it this way. Me just saying this right now, the wrong person could see this video. And I, and I mean, when I say the wrong person, I mean, a Jehovah's witness could see this video, send it to Jehovah's witnesses at the congregation that my parents go to. And they, they could officially tell my parents that I am what's known as an apostate, uh, an apostate in the Jehovah's witness faith <laughs> might as well be worse than saying you're a child predator. An wow. apostate is someone who was a Jehovah's witness left and then actively speaks out against them. Uh, I have never done that until this exact moment, but I have always been planning on it. Um, I have, like I said, I, I'm writing a book about it, and it'll be years before it's done, that's for sure. But it's uh, it's genuinely um, endangering to your livelihood, to your family life. They... The way the Jehovah's Witness faith works is there's a hierarchy. There's the elders, there's the ministerial servants, pioneers, auxiliary pioneers, publishers, unbaptized publishers. Um, at the very top is what's known as the governing body, which is a group of dudes in New York at the, the head office who decide everything for everybody. And they... Um, Basically, they write the Watchtower and the Awake, all the, the Jehovah's Witness mm. publications, and they decide what everyone does with their lives and what is a rule or, or whatever. They say they interpret the Bible, but in reality, they're just sort of making shit up. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's legitimately damaging, and it has done real damage to my family and friends over the course of my life. Um, I, you know, and again, I... I really do not want this to come off as a fucking pity party. I'm just answering your questions. <laughs> no, not not at all, man. This is actually really cool that you are uh, being able to open up like this. This I don't I didn't get any kind of self pity at all coming from this. Okay, thank God, because that's my biggest concern is what was me, and I'm I'm genuinely not trying to do that. And I hope that your viewers know that. But um, this is something that I've been holding in for a decade. Um, it's it's basically destroyed my family and uh, some of my friends. Um, whenever my parents do speak to me, it's usually everything that they say has an asterisk attached to it where they'll say, hey, nice to see you. Mm. But, you know, it, there's always a but yeah. because they wished I was doing something else. Um, basically, like... I mean, I didn't even see my sister for like 17 years uh, because she decided when she was in her early 20s and I was only uh, like young kid at the time because I, I was a surprise. I came late in my parents' life. She decided she didn't want to be a witness anymore and she left and uh, she was what's called disfellowshipped which means basically uh, shunned from the religion. You are officially removed from the religion, and those still in the religion are not permitted to speak to you unless it's um, an emergency. 
or say a funeral. So when my sister was disfellowshipped, I was told to, to never see or speak to her. So I didn't for 17 years, man. I mean, I didn't see my fucking sister for 17 fucking years. And now I'm back with her and it's great, but, um, that religion in a lot of ways shaped me. Um, and in a lot of ways destroyed me. Uh, most of the stories I've written are in some way inspired by my time there. Um, I wrote a cult story that I'm hoping to make one day. It's, <laughs> it's sort of a fun expression of the, the trauma, but it's, um, for instance, ah, fuck it. I'll just say it. Um, dude, you got me, man. Corey. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before you say that, let me let me let me do something real quick. I want to I want to stop this recording right here, and I want to start it again. So, if you have any change of heart, you can do so now. But uh, let me stop this and I'll restart it again. Okay, man. Yeah, pick it up from there. Corey Coleman, you you son of a bitch! <laughs> you got me say this shit that's okay i wanted to anyway honestly i'm gonna feel a major breath of fresh air after getting a lot of this out there and my biggest fear with a few things has just been i just don't want to read a single negative reaction about this i really don't i've spent my entire life holding this in and um i know that most people the common view of a Jehovah's Witness is negative anyway, and, and they're often lumped in with the Scientology Scientology crowd. Um, I'm not afraid of people being like, oh, you know, you shouldn't have left. But I just, like I said, I started in a shell, and now i am I'm been in a shell in many ways uh, for a long time trying to keep that in. All my friends know about it. All the people I've ever worked with on YouTube know about that. All my YouTube buddies know about that. Um, but I've never talked about it with the public because of how much pain it genuinely brought my family. And, you know, you showed me that photo and all I see is former Jehovah's Witness friends. Yeah. Uh, I know for some folks it's hilarious. Um, but for me, it's it's honestly just kind of fucking painful because um, a lot of those kids are still in the faith. Yeah. And uh, some of them have even become elders. And elders are the people who have the ability to disfellowship and, and shun you. And it's, uh, it's fucking terrifying, honestly. Um, but gratefully, uh, that was 10 years ago that I left now. Um, I have had a normal life. I was able to celebrate Christmas finally and my birthdays. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, no birthdays, no Christmas as a kid, man. It's yeah. No Halloween. Halloween's my favorite fucking... I loved Halloween even then. I just didn't know how to admit it. You know, I want to, first of all, apologize if I pulled that up in any kind of disrespect at all, not knowing the context. And Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Don't even think about apologizing, man. You don't have to. This, this is... I put that photo out there. I... People have taken it and, you know, said what they said, but that's my fault. That's not your fault. That's totally fine. No, no, no apologies necessary. I, like I said, 
I fully planned on talking about this one day. I just was sort of waiting for the right time. And I realized there is no right time. Because um, on paper, somewhere in a file drawer, I am a Jehovah's Witness to them. I have not yet committed what is called, at least that they know of, what has called uh, a disfellowshipping offense, which would be something like smoking or doing any type of recreational drugs or sex before marriage or apostasy, which I am doing right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so more than likely after this goes live, somebody somewhere at a kingdom hall of Jehovah's Witnesses will announce that I am no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses and my parents for the first time ever will be bound to not speak to me. I'm not even joking. Like, that's legitimately real. They will not speak to me. I, my mom will probably try, but my dad won't, for sure. Oh, man, you know, that's a... Well, I'm glad this is pre-recorded because I would not want to have that burden on me or that pressure on me to be, you know, put something out there that would cause you to be estranged from your family, man. I mean, that's... This wouldn't be your fault, though, man. You know, you're just asking questions and I'm answering them, and if you but since this is pre-recorded if you don't want it if you don't want it we can scrap the whole thing from the record if you want and i'll i'll wait but i'm willing yeah i mean this is your personal thing man i do not want to put something out there you know when you, you know uh, uh, until you feel like you want to do that if it's something you want to do on you know your own platform and it's something that you want to do on your own uh terms then i i completely understand that i mean i'll put it out there but if you tell me I thought about it. Nah, I don't do that. Then, you know, I completely understand. You know what I'm saying? No, I get it, man. Um, how long do you think, I, I don't know if we'll include this in the video, but how long do you think till you post this? Uh, I was going to be within the next 48 hours. So, you know, okay. uh, more than I, likely what would happen is I would also make a video on my channel just being like, Hey, I talked about this with Corey Coleman. Um, I'm, gonna tell you guys about it now and then just fucking move on from it yeah yeah no that was there's a lot more than this man there's way fucking more than this i mean just in regards to that faith and yeah. and everything that i tried to to get rid of from my life you know are you still a person of faith uh did, you, like do you have you found another uh branch of religion to go into or are you not religious at all anymore no i'm not religious um had enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> i hear you man i've had enough um as a kid in school um you're told to to preach to all the other kids and let them know you're a jehovah's witness mm -hmm. because in that way you'll do what's called giving a good witness which is like um essentially potentially converting one of them to the faith or at least you know, you're doing what Jesus did, you're preaching or whatever. And so as a kid, I, I had like no friends at school because they were like, who the fuck is this weirdo? You know, <laughs> it'd be like, what'd you get for Christmas? I mean, I was like, I don't celebrate Christmas. That's against my religion. You know, people would offer me their Halloween candy. I can't eat that. That's Halloween candy. Yeah. People yeah. would offer me their Valentine's Day candy. I can't eat that. That's Valentine's Day candy. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. And when you're yeah. like eight years old, people look at you like you're 
fucking crazy. You're turning down candy and it's like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no birthdays, no Christmas. Um, when I met my wife, uh, I had just left and I was absolutely positively brainwashed uh, in every way from that organization. Um, because they, they teach you, they teach you a certain set of principles and rules and guidelines and they drill it into your head that if you don't follow them, you will fucking die. Mm -hmm. Like God will kill you at Armageddon is what they teach. And in their magazines, there's all these fear mongering images of just fiery burning death. And when you're raised seeing that shit, it fucking terrifies you the amount of power they have over you because not only can they oust you from your family from your friends they they'll tell you you're gonna die and soon because they teach that armageddon is right around the corner so my entire life basically anything that they thought could be potentially um a sin i was horrified of doing and i'm still to this day at times uh dealing with uh sort of a guilt complex that i've i've gotten from from being raised that way constantly thinking that i've done something wrong because they train you to be this perfect soldier that just does everything you're supposed to do and if you step out of line sorry you're gone yeah yeah no it's a that's, you know, I, I, I've seen that done with so many other kinds of religions, too. But that's right there. Uh, it's very frightening the way you told it, man. <laughs> you know, I'm, and it's been and, I, and it's funny because I've seen that reaction, like I said, from other people where people have been hurt and also just at some point just very afraid for their friends who are who are and family members who were there. I have to say, even I had a friend uh, who. I can't tell if he was a branch. If he, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say branch of any. If he was a, if he was a Jehovah's Witness or not. But even they told him for a couple of years that he couldn't see me, man. You know, so I, I, I can see the toxicity of a certain uh, heavy-handed, you know, mind-controlling religions that would make people that way. That's why I'm really, I'm blown away that you're putting that out there right now. Fuck it. Who cares? Honestly, like. I, I just fuck it, man. Seriously, I, I I got to a point where I didn't care any. I, I I just I care about people, but I I don't care as much anymore about what people think of me. Um, and, and if pe I used to be so protective of this, and and mostly it's just because I was afraid of losing my relationship, what little relationship I have with my parents. Um, and maybe it was COVID. Maybe it was actually not seeing my family in person for a whole year to make me realize, fuck it, man. I don't know. The other thing that, that I guess this could explain for some folks, if you've been watching me since like 2009 when I started, you might remember that I closed down my quick movie reviews channel for six months and then came back with my current channel six months later. And you might remember that I didn't really give much of an explanation. I made one final video basically saying that doing these videos has gotten to a point where it could potentially uh, be harmful to people I cared about. That's all I said. 
the truth of the matter is the elders told me to stop reviewing movies on YouTube. Mm. They said that if I were to continue, that I could potentially be disfellowshipped. And it was entirely because I was reviewing rated R movies. Oh. That's it. That's fucking it, man. So for the people out there always wondering why I closed down my channel, that's why. I was terrified of uh, being disfellowshipped, of losing my relationship with my childhood friends that I had known since I was a kid, which I, which I did. Um, pretty much everybody that I ever associated with as a kid and throughout into my early 20s doesn't speak to me anymore. And that's fine. <laughs> Honestly, it's, I'm, I'm better off. Yeah. Yeah. But so later, six months later, I said, fuck it. I, I love doing this. and I'm starting a channel again. And that eventually led towards uh, um, what's called a marking. Um, a marking is not quite the same as a disfellowshipping. Mm -hmm. But what it is, is um, someone will give a, a talk in front of the congregation and an elder usually will describe a code of conduct or a type of conduct that someone or some people in the congregation are involved in and that those in, those people are to be quote marked which means uh, in jehovah's witness language that you are um not to be associated with unless you are at the kingdom hall so that happened to me, and it was entirely because of the fact that I wanted to be involved in film. Uh, wow. And, and so, and I'm fascinated by this, so I'm, I'm asking very sincere questions, man. So when you leave that, you're leaving, I, I, you know, help me understand this. It feels like you're leaving like this, this base, which is why it's so hard for some people to leave, to, to, to leave harmful things, racist and cult members and whatnot. You know, they have this base there that that's a support group for them. I, you know, was this a support group for you that you were leaving? And now that you left it, what was it like having to adjust to bringing new people into your life? The best way that I can describe it is you and I both know for a fact that gravity exists. If we jump off a cliff, we're gonna fall and die. We know that. But someone comes along and says, actually, that's not true, and then proves it to you. It's like, what? <laughs> so my, my entire life, I knew for a fact that I was in the one true religion. I knew it. I believed it. I knocked on people's doors. I uh, preached about it to folks. I fucking knew it, like as a teenager. So to suddenly have all this doubt um, about that organization uh, and to experience what that can do to your relationships and how people start to look at you like you're not one of them anymore. Uh, was absolutely mind-boggling to me because the Jehovah's Witnesses have a term for people outside of the faith. They call them worldly people. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's not a Jehovah's Witness is a worldly person not to be associated with. The only way you should associate with them is if you are preaching to them, hopefully to convert them to the Jehovah's Witness faith. So 
suddenly people were looking at me like I was a worldly person. <laughs> like I was this, you know, I was like, I'm not out there, you know, I'm just watching <laughs> movies, man. Like it was, <laughs> so, it was, a, it was a, a genuine nightmare because the, you know, we can laugh about this now, but mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I woke up, uh, had a message on my phone, and it was from my childhood best friend that I knew my whole life. Now, I made short films with this kid. Uh, we, we spent the night at each other's houses every single weekend for our entire lives. I had an air mattress at his house mm. because of how often I stayed there just to hang. Yeah. He was essentially like my brother. I wake up, I have a message on my phone, a voicemail. It's 17 seconds long. It says, Chris, my brother, you have been marked. Unfortunately, I cannot speak with you anymore click that's it that's the end of it it's insane man it's impossible to even describe the insanity that goes on uh at that place and to any one of my viewers who is a jehovah's witness i know some are um i'm sorry that i'm saying this but i don't know I, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see, man. I can see. Uh, wow, you know, I, man, I, 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 at one point, like I know you said, you know, this isn't it's supposed to be a pity party, but you know, I, I really do have sympathy for you. But the other, the, the other end of it is that I have so much relief for you, man. Hearing you say this, it, it feels like I am having a burden lifted off of me hearing you say this. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Thank you, man. Uh, honestly, uh, I can say that it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I still have somewhat of a relationship with my mother because my mother is cool. Um, my sister, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, and I've made legitimate real friends since then, like that actually like me, not just because I'm part of a club or a team or some kind of weird team yeah. spirit thing, you know? They and, and meeting filmmakers too, and and sort of and I, all the people I've met and kind of kind of gotten to know and I've shared this with, um, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've never really given up when it comes to making movies, because I know that I basically threw away my entire uh, life to pursue that. Um, so whenever someone's been like, oh, or sorry, whenever like I sent a screenplay to like a manager or an agent and they were like, this isn't for us, I can fucking deal with rejection. <laughs> <laughs> I've had so many doors slammed in my face as a kid. Get out of here, you fucking Jehovah, all that shit. You know, rejection's not an issue for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when it came to, uh, to trying to make movies, man, Nothing is going to stop me from doing that. Nothing. 
Yeah, it seems like this whole thing has been, uh, you know, they always talk about the blessing in disguise, you know, what the good that came out of it. It definitely did put you in a good frame of mind, man, because a lot of people cannot handle the kind of rejection that you're that you're kind of talking about right now, especially on create on a, on a creative level. So No, not even close. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why, like, in my early videos, I wouldn't curse, you know, like my mm. first few videos, like on YouTube, because you're not allowed to curse as a Jehovah's Witness. You know, there's all this, this, all this crazy shit that I had to learn. I had to basically unlearn how to be a person and then relearn it again. So, I mean, I'm past it now. This is news to people watching, but this is like old news to me. You know, it's been, it's been long gone. Just the fact that I'm covered in fucking tattoos. (laughs) To be honest, I'm surprised I haven't been yet, to, to be real. Well, to put this, you know take this to a positive place following through on this whole thing of you know this this giving you the right attitude on life i can you've answered with that story plenty of questions that i might have had i mean one was going to be the scripts that you've written you've you've written like three scripts uh this past year one is being optioned off uh you've also talking about writing i i'm amazed again at the at the uh, uh, how productive you vote you are you have a uh, your love of anime you have it in a book here anime impact which you can find on amazon right now you know all of that i'm looking at that and I'm, i was thinking man how is this guy doing all this stuff man I, i'm you know I'm, I'm envious and now i can see that you've come up from you come from a place that has given you the drive that you have right now man and that's amazing basically it was see now i can finally say this it's it's why i don't mind it's why i'm like fuck it just just talk about it because I was denied the basic rights that most people have of free expression as a kid. And now that I have them, I'm like, do everything, you know, <laughs> do everything I wasn't allowed to do. Watch everything I wasn't allowed to watch, you know, talk to people I wasn't allowed to talk to. It's never been, um, it's never been more clear to me that life is short. You know, I often feel like the first 20 years of my life were wasted. Um, in some time, in some ways they were, in some ways they weren't because I have happy memories. I mean, tons of happy memories, but most of them revolve around pieces of media that I was having like a private experience with a film, a book, you know, making movies, discovering that as a teenager even though it led to my being ousted from that religion, I was realizing what my passion was and realizing I wanted to share that with people and realizing that I wanted to be a part of that and not a part of this, this other thing. And I feel like if I hadn't have discovered that, that I never, that I, fuck it, I might even still be there, man. I don't know. Like, it's just the way they, the way they, drill it into your brain it's it's impossible sometimes to break free of it with all the things that they they can take away from you yeah it's amazing man i i you know, like i said I, you know i was talking about how honored i was to have you here just to talk about movies man and <laughs> talk about you know youtube <laughs> but goddamn, you know <laughs> i have to say that this is a this is a true honor to have you just share this with with me man i you know not I, I, for the majority of this, I didn't even feel like there was a camera here. You know, I'm just talking to you, man, and listening to your story. And it is a fascinating 
And overall, very uplifting and inspiring story. I'm not just saying these as buzzwords, man. I mean, you know, this is... I came in thinking like, hey, man, tell people how they can make it on YouTube. It's like, fuck YouTube, man. You know, just have this drive in life. And I have to... And, and, and I'm so... I'm so happy for you, man. What it, what it comes down to is that I'm just, you've made my day to hear that you are someplace in your life where you're happy. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, I think that uh, it, it was it was pretty crazy. Uh, last uh, year, I went to Fantastic Fest, or I should say in 2019, I went to Fantastic Fest. Um, and it, it, that's my favorite festival now. That festival is amazing. Yeah. Um, but I went there and uh, my goal was to just meet folks and talk about movies with people. And I ended up meeting some really great people in the industry. And they kind of just chatted with me about movies for a while. And eventually one of them said, do you, do you have any scripts? And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I do. Here's a lot of them. Uh, they read one and they loved it. But they thought it was a little too expensive. So they said, you got anything cheaper? I went, yes, I do. Because, <laughs> like, if any of your viewers are watching right now, like, and who want to write, um, write more than one before you start talking to people. Because I have, like, six right now. And the goal is, like, you share something with somebody. They find some merit in it, but it's not quite for them. They might ask you if you have anything else. So it's really valuable to be like, yes, I do. Here's this. Otherwise, the conversation stops, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I, I gave them something I had that was a little bit cheaper. And they fucking loved it. They loved it so much. So I spent all of 2020 uh, developing it with them. Um, and we're getting to a point now where it's looking really good. Um, I can't really talk much about the movie contractually. I'm not allowed to. Mm -hmm. But um, it's uh, like... Dreams are coming true, finally, basically. Well, congratulations, man. I mean, it goes without saying, you deserve it. <laughs> if anybody deserves it, you do, man. And again, uh, I'm so happy to hear that. I, you know, this this went longer than I thought, and I'm and and I'm happy that it did. I really did enjoy this conversation very much. Uh, this it was a, a joy just to listen to you man uh the, the the passion and the honesty that you have it's uh you know that that was a, a, a real pleasure um you know i'll i'll end it on that really upbeat and uh, very positive note right there man uh once again if, like i said if i came in grateful that you were here before i'm really fucking grateful now man <laughs> so thank you so much thanks man and uh to any of the folks watching um who were like oh i didn't expect all that you know it's my life. Uh, eventually, at some point, I was going to talk about it. Uh, and I hope that you can uh, respect that and kind of understand that that was a little hard to talk about. And I, I just I have a slight fear with sharing these things because of, like I said, how much power some of the people in that organization actually have. You know, you hear about Scientologists who are terrified of talking out against the organization because they're conditioned to believe that they can legitimately harm your life. And so Jehovah's Witnesses is, is very similar. And I just hope that people can respect that and uh, appreciate it. 
Oh, they will. I can tell you that right now. I mean, I, I just can't speak for the people that will watch this. I think I speak for many people when I say they just enjoy honesty, man. You know, it's something that's coming from an earnest and very sincere place. And you definitely put it out there. Uh, and that's what I really look for when I'm talking to people on these things. So, again, I really appreciate you sharing that, man. And uh, I know you say... Uh, Fantastic Fest is uh, one of your favorite, or is your favorite festival. So, when everything is up, man, and you uh, and you find yourself back in Austin, I, I hope that uh, I hope that you give me a holler, man. I absolutely would. I would love that. That'd be great. All right, man. Well, again, congratulations on everything. Uh, you know, I'm glad things are looking up and things are happening for you. I can't wait to see what this thing is that you're talking about, this this script that you have here, but I'm sure we're going to hear about it soon. And like I said, man, you just it, there's a lot of things in your life that's going on right now that seems very, very positive, and I'm very happy yeah. for you. So thank yeah. you, man. Uh, people, Chris Stuckman, uh, somebody that you got to know way better <laughs> tonight or whenever we're doing this interview whenever you're watching it so again thank you man and uh yeah. i hope to uh, you know next time we uh, if we happen to talk i hope that uh it can be uh in person absolutely that would be so much that would be so much fun all right well you have a good one man and thank you so much you too all right see ya bye Goodbye. well everybody again you know this is this is what I cherish. This is really why I enjoy doing this because I love talking to people and hear, hearing about them being people. That's, uh, that, that's amazing. That is truly amazing. And I, I, I mean it when I say, you know, if, if, you know, if there's one thing to, 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 that I enjoy about hearing someone being very truthful and honest about their lives is when they put the honesty out there, it takes a positive turn. You know, that's something that leaves me feeling very inspired. And I hope this interview was also inspiring to you as well. So, folks, I'm going to go ahead. There's nothing I can do or say to top that. Let me just take my sorry ass on out of here. Uh, before I go, though, again, thank you for all your support out there. You know the many places to support us. I don't need to tell you. And this is an interview. You'll see it on the other videos. It'll probably be edited into this one. But what I do want you to know is if you would love to get in touch with us or even like to get in touch with us, or maybe you just feel so-so about it, however you're feeling about it, please send us an email and you can send it to kcoolmans at gmail.com. That's K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. You email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, and our advice. Hit us up on the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just copy all those details that you see right there. Memorize them, love them, use them. And, oh, wait a minute. That's Chris again. Hey, Chris, uh, are you there? Yeah, uh, do you have just like five minutes? Oh, yeah, yeah. You, oh, sure. You know what? I was just, uh, hold on. I was just uh, doing, uh, tell you what. You give me a little while, just like two seconds. I was just closing out. Sorry. No, no, it's good. No, no, people. Uh, you know what the deal is. If you find yourself here in Austin, Texas, then get a hold of us, but do so when it's safe. You know what I mean. So when that time is there, let us know if you plan on moving here. If you're simply passing through, we'd like to safely hang out with you. That is it, everybody. Good night, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to or watching this, goodbye and stay toasty. <laughs>